Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Because you're hot, then you're cold. You're yes, then you're no. You're in, then you're out. You're up, then you're down. You're wrong when it's right. It's black and it's white. We fight, we break up, we kiss, we make up. Those are the lyrics to, Kate, to Katy Perry's popular song, Hot and Cold. Does that song sound like the story of your relationship? Have you felt devastated, empty, and ashamed? You are yet again alone and destroyed by another bad relationship with a toxic person. Why is it that you only see the signs of a toxic relationship after it has ended? Why were you so blind to your partner's controlling behavior and frequent mental abuse? Well, today's guest, Kelly Kristen, is going to help us answer these questions. She's a life and love coach and founder of The Worshipped Woman. She focuses on helping women heal from toxic relationships, my favorite subject, and helping them to love themselves and creating the healthy and happy love that they deserve. She is an expert in subconscious transformation with a specialty in clinical hypnotherapy, psyche, and NLP. Her approach to healing is a unique mixture of subconscious change work, embodiment, and nervous system regulation to truly transform from the inside out and create lasting change. Kelly has been named one of the top 10 life coaches in 2021 by Yahoo Finance. And her mission is to have every woman know her worth and become her own version of the worshiped woman. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you so much, Janie. I'm so happy to be here with you. You know, Kelly, when I was looking at your show, The Worshipped Women, you have an episode on your podcast titled Coming Back to the Truth of Who You Are. So help us understand who is Kelly? Oh, who is Kelly? I am foremost a woman that's on a mission to, you know, like you stated, help women heal from toxic relationships. Um, underneath that, I am just a very caring person that really wants women to know how worthy and deserving we all are, because that's the journey that I had to take in my life. And I really feel like I had to go through all that I went through in my life to be able to bring this message from a really grounded place with a deep level of understanding of what it's like to not feel that at all. And um, to me, you know, remembering the truth of who we all are is in what is the core and the mantra of the worshiped woman is I am worthy, I am deserving, I am enough at all times, at any time, even when you feel like this is so far away from what I feel like right now, that's still the truth. And so that's my truth. And that's the truth that I hope to share with everybody. That you are enough, no matter where you are, what time it is, you are enough. And for women to really embody that message, you know, I know that it takes a lot of work to get there. Sometimes we can hear that, but the work to do that is so important. You know, so with the work that you do, you know, there's a common question that sometimes that I'll get asked, and I'm sure that you get asked as well is when we're ha helping women break free from toxic relationships, sometimes people don't even realize they're in a toxic relationship. Yeah. So help us understand, Kelly, I mean, what is a toxic relationship? 
Yeah. I'd say like the most simple explanation is a relationship that's unhealthy, unhealthy for you in some capacity. And there's, if you spend more time not feeling good within that relationship, not feeling good about that relationship, than you do feeling positively, feeling cared for, feeling like your needs are met. There's that mismatch there. Then I would say on some level it's toxic. Now, of course there's varying degrees of toxicity that go from, okay, this just isn't really working. He's not meeting my needs or this person isn't you know, up to my level kind of thing, or a mismatch, and maybe there's some fighting and arguing, but then it goes further and further in, into different levels of abuse, coercion, and all kinds of things. So toxic is really the broad term for me. And within that, there's a lot of layers. And that's, that's a great definition, you know, being in a toxic relationship, because I do think a lot of people don't realize they're in a toxic relationship because, and we'll get a lot into it, I'm sure, because of where they've been before they've gotten into that relationship. You know, and I know that you speak publicly about your own cycle of toxic relationships, which I think is a beautiful thing because when you're helping people and you have your own reference point and you're far enough away in your own healing that you can hold up that ladder for them and you understand on such a different level. So can you share with us, how did you recognize that you were in a toxic relationship and what did you do to, to break free? So if we can share, share a little bit about from your own journey. Yeah. So, it, and it is funny because I think when you're in it, um, you really don't realize it and you don't realize how bad it is because it just has been normalized. Um, well, one, toxic relationships are kind of normalized through what we even see on TV and in movies. A lot of times we're just shown toxic relationship dynamics and we normalize that. Depending on our upbringing, we might have normalized certain behaviors as toxic. So for me, when I was within it, you know, being treated badly was not, I guess, so far away from the, the image that I had of myself based on my upbringing that it was like so far away and out of a, nobody's ever talked to me like this before. Nobody's ever done that to me before. It just, you can normalize it like that. For me, um, I was in an abusive relationship. So it was definitely further, further inside that toxic level. And I remember even, you know, being physically hurt by this person and still questioning if I was in an abusive relationship, because in my mind, abusive relationships were like abusive all the time. You know, like he comes home every day and beats me. And I, I didn't see myself as like a battered woman. I didn't see myself as somebody, um, who was really in the depths of an abusive cycle at all. I really had no idea. And my outside perception of myself and from other people was that always, I was a very strong woman. You know, I had a lot going for me in terms of, of, you know, career and different things like that. And I was always very strong. So it was almost like that I had to uphold that image as well. So that kind of isolated me further into it. And um, I think one of the things that happens, and I do like to speak about this, is cognitive dissonance that happens in these relationships because our brains, how they start to function when we're in these cycles is that we'll actually only think of focus on the good things and create this sort of false reality for ourselves because it feels better than having to go into the shame. And cognitive dissonance is something that we all humans will experience at one point or another where we kind of have, you know, our behavior not matching our internal beliefs or value system, but it happens within pretty much every abusive or toxic relationship where we actually create the false reality of it not being that bad. We think about all of the good times. We think about, well, you know, he does this for me or he does that for me or all of these things that happen. And we focus there and we live there instead of really 
being faced with reality of what's happening. Also in those relationships where they involve the gaslighting. So you're actually made to question your reality. What's actually real here? When you have people in your life that are um, coercive, you know, they very much manipulate you into believing, well, maybe you're the problem and I'm not the problem. And so there's a lot of different levels to that where you actually start to just normalize it yourself and start and really just don't have a clear picture of what's going on. That was definitely the case for me. It's definitely the case for most everybody that I work with is that's kind of just what happens. You get so stuck in it. You don't know. So for me, when I really started actually getting first into a little bit into personal development and I started reading more and I started learning ideas of like, you create your reality and things like this. And I was like, hold up a second. (laughs) What do you mean? I create my reality. This reality sucks, right? I don't, I don't like this reality at all. And I started really getting more into positive thinking and learning what a growth mindset was and these sort of things that just happen to keep coming into my life. And as I'm doing my own personal work, I'm realizing this person that I'm with, I'm sort of outgrowing him in the way because I'm I'm working on myself now. I'm working on my own self-worth. I'm starting to see things from a different lens that I really wasn't able to before I started doing that. And then, um, you know, it was really a bad situation when I actually left that relationship. It was like a very bad fight and I knew it was going to escalate. And I literally just threw some random stuff in a bag and ran out the door. And I just couldn't, it was like something snapped in me in that moment where it was like, no more. Like, this is absolutely it. And I remember just sitting in my car, like crying. I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, I got to, you know, but I, I didn't even have shoes on my feet did not even have shoes on my feet. And I didn't care because it was like in that moment, it, it was just the combination of me slowly starting to believe in myself and believe that life could be better than this and that I could have something different than this that really just allowed me to stand in that. And it was like that turning point for me to say no more, never again. And then from there, it's like, that's where the work really begins. <laughs> But you so, describe something very, very important. I want to um, uh, highlight it. You know, when you talk about that cognitive dissonance, you know, what happens is that's why, you know, a lot of people ask, well, why do you keep going back? And usually it's right there, right? When you're looking to break free from a toxic relationship or a love addicted relationship is that relapse is so high because some people will describe trying to leave the object of, you know, let's just call it, you know, their addiction is like they rather chew glass, right? You're going through that detox and then we're looking at the research, right? Between 14 and 21 days, you described it is then you start thinking about, well, you had all these great qualities, all these great things. And then you start questioning and almost, um, I call it, you get amnesia of the reason yeah. why <laughs> you've left. Yes. And, you know, I, you know, if you can speak a little bit more to that, because I'm sure that you yeah. coach a lot of women that they go back and forth, just as we described in Katy Perry's so hot and cold, come here, right. go away. It's such a pattern. Right. Well, it's, it's that push-pull dynamic that keeps keeps you stuck. And so it's a mixture of cognitive dissonance and really a trauma bond, right? Mm-hmm. So a trauma bond being a, a cycle that, um, you know, we can loosely say is based off of two insecurely attached people that have childhood traumas that come together and there's this cycle of love and the removal of it, you know, reward punishment. But 
we also have to realize that neurochemically we're affected the same way. Like if we were using a drug, like if we were literally a heroin addict. And so that's why we have this pull towards this person when we leave it, because it's like, I don't have my drug. I don't have my fix. And I definitely experienced that in my relationship, right? Really wanting to leave, but like not understanding why, even at one point before actually being able to leave, packing up my stuff, leaving, moving in with a friend, and then boom, right back within maybe a week. Even though at that time, knowing in my mind, like, this is not right. This, you know, that I can't, I can't be doing this. Like there's something wrong here, but I could not get away from that pull. That's sort of the hallmark of being stuck in a trauma bond, right? Feeling that I, this doesn't make sense, but no matter what, I have to be with this person. And so it's, if you are feeling that in your relationship, I can guarantee you that you are in some level of a trauma bond. And that works hand in hand with cognitive dissonance because here I have this feeling of like, I have to be with this person. It has to be them and it can't be anybody else. And, you know, it's the only thing that's going to bring me relief. It's my fix. And now my mind is telling me, well, it's really not that bad, right? Mm -hmm. It's really not that bad. Like there's good qualities here. Maybe you're overreacting. Maybe that, you know, this is what happens. You know, everybody fights, love takes work, all of these excuses and we sort of just live, you know, I would say that the hallmark of cognitive dissonance, like justification and rationalization. And the truth is, is that if you have to rationalize your partner's poor behavior towards you, that's a problem. That's a problem that, that you need to be willing to look on, like look at head on. You mentioned the, the term uh, trauma bond, you know, my, um, one of my mentors, Dr. Patrick Carnes, he wrote the book, Breaking Free of Exploitive Relationships, and he coined that term. You know, one of the things that it's hard for people to really understand that, but when you are healed, people could clearly see it. But when they're in it, it's hard to see it. And this is why sometimes I'll say like that trauma bond relationship is essentially you're going to be attracted. And this is where people are like, what? You know, you're going to be attracted to someone who essentially is not going to be able to love you in the way that you need it. And then yeah. people will say, well, you know, and obviously we're females, so we're talking from the male perspective. This goes both ways. But they'll say, well, when I met him, he was Prince Charming. I met, I met him. He was all about me. Right. And then they yeah. get caught up in that fantasy that happened in the beginning. And they're trying to circle back around to that moment in time. Yeah. And to your point, you know, and they get to that place of, well, maybe it wasn't that bad or, you know, maybe it's me. Maybe I shouldn't have spoken to him and they start justifying. Yes. So when you, when you, when you're working with women in particular and you hear them justifying staying, right? They're trying to break free and, and they, then they're, they're needing help and assistance. And I think, which is a, a beautiful hallmark of healing. And we'll get a little bit into that, but in your experience, like if someone's saying, and they're listening to us and they're like, well, why do people stay in the same place that contributes to their sickness? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why do people stay? Well, one, um, I think we need to talk about kind of what you alluded to earlier, which is like, we have a baseline um, and this is subconscious. Okay. So we have a baseline for how we're used to being treated and the behavior that we've been shown. So everybody has a baseline for love. And we form this baseline largely in our childhood before the age of like eight years old, when our subconscious is wide open and we're witnessing relationships and whatever that primary relationship that we witness. So for, you know, for most people, it's your parents, maybe it was a single parent and whatever it was, that's where your brain and your body learned love. 
And if there was chaos in that relationship, if there was fighting, a lot of fighting in that relationship, if there was any level of abuse in that relationship, well, your brain and your body have normalized that. So it actually becomes safe. Normal to your brain equals safe right? Because it's familiar, because it's known, because if we were to go beyond that, well, our, our body doesn't know what's going to happen. And that actually feels uncomfortable. It feels scary. So, so for people that have that subconscious baseline of like, you know, chaos, that feeling of the push pull, that feeling of love and takeaway reward punishment. If you have that cycle, well, a trauma bond actually feels really natural. It feels natural. So logically I can say, this isn't what I want, but my body feels very comfortable in that cycle. So am I going to leave what feels normal and natural to me? Or is that going to be really, really hard? Right. And so I think that um, most people that have never experienced a relationship like this, it's very hard to wrap your mind around, which is part of the reason why I, I feel like I, I educate on these things so clearly showing what it's like, because I want to drop the shame because another aspect of this is that, you know, the people in these relationships feel a lot of shame. Cognitive dissonance is a way of blocking us from feeling the shame that's already there. Like that's what it is there for. And so when, if, if I'm, you know, in a relationship and I'm being abused and I reach out to a friend and I tell her what's going on and I'm, you know, just a little bit and she's, and her reaction is something like, why wouldn't you just leave him? I feel instant shame in that moment because I know that's what I, I should be doing. And then it actually further puts me back into that trauma bonded cycle. It further puts me back into the control and power that this person has over me, that nobody else is there for me, that nobody really cares about me. All of those stories that abusive and coercive people like to tell us. So I think it's really, really important for people that if you haven't experienced that, is that you open up your heart a little bit more and know that if you've never been in that situation, you really don't know what it's like. And there's so many other factors at play beyond what, beyond black and white, beyond just leave, right? Like telling a woman to just leave is telling an alcoholic, just stop drinking. That's it. <laughs> right. Just stop. And then if, you know, and then when you consider, I mean, which would be a whole nother conversation that we can have, but when you get it, get it and consider narcissistic abusive relationships, because not all toxic relationships have a narcissistic abusive person in there, but narcissistic abusive relationships are toxic Yes, is that they want you to be isolated because yes. now I'm all that you have. Look yes. at your family's not there for you, right? And their friends are not there for you because over time, it's kind of like a, it's like a slow kill. And then to your point, then you'll say as well. I don't want, I don't want to keep going back to my friends because every time I go back to him, I go back to the same yeah. thing. And then, you know, an understanding that toxic love, because they'll say, and I'm sure you hear this all the time. Well, I love him. I just love mm -hmm. him, Kelly. Mm -hmm. I just love him. <laughs> yeah. Right. But they don't understand, you know, all the things that you're explaining to us, the trauma bond, how the brain works, yeah. especially if it's a trauma brain that abuse and all those types of things become more familiar. So in, unless it's the hot or cold and then getting into that cycle, the everyday abuses sometimes is a slow kill there. You become so familiar um, with it. So I, I right. certainly appreciate your education around that. Cause I think a part of that, you know, for women to be educated so they, they can recognize themselves and realize they're not alone. Right. 
And that's, um, you know, that's why I love to do group programs that I know you do as well, because I think it's really important for women going through this that you'll understand all the times that you thought you were super crazy and that nobody could understand this. It's like, oh, no, girl, I did that too. Yep, I get it. And, and in having that reflection in other people and you get to go, wow, you know, I'm not broken. There's nothing wrong with me. You know, I like to say all the time, like, I feel like a trauma bond could really happen to anybody because some of them, you know, some are very obvious, right? Like if you came from an abusive household and you find yourself in an abusive relationship, that's not that far of a stretch, but for some people, it's not as obvious as that for some people, you know, like myself, I had what I would think was a very good upbringing. My parents are still together. Like, did they have the best relationship? No. But before me really diving in and understanding these things, I was holding on to that shame of like, what's wrong with me? I had, you know, whatever I needed. I had a house. I had a bedroom. Like, I, I should be fine. I should be fine. But I wasn't. And I think that, you know, if you're in these dynamics, there's clearly something going on, right? We have to be willing to give ourselves grace and compassion as we look at that versus shame and blame. Because when you shame and blame yourself, that's what keeps you stuck. When you look at yourself like a human who's literally just doing the best that you can in life and just trying to make it through <laughs> whatever's going on, then that opens us up to be able to really move forward in a new way. And you just mentioned something, you know, we call in psychology that Chahara's window. I mean, there's certain things that we can't see in our own life. And a part of that is exactly what you said. When we look at those big traumas and those little traumas, we'll say, well, we weren't abused. We weren't yeah. any other things. But sometimes it's the absence of, yes. right? There's this saying, and I'm sure that you've probably heard it or say it yourself, is tell me how you were loved and I will show you how you love, right? Yeah. So part of that can be that emotional neglect where you yes. can have two parents in the household, they're working, there's food on the table, you have all the things, but not feeling seen, not feeling heard, or children are seen and not heard and not get, getting your, your dad to affirm you, right? It's these, the withholding of yes. sometimes then we can chase uh, that in our adulthood, which is why having that PhD in our own history is so, is so important. But we also understand that it's not always the parents, right? You can get abuses from, you know, other situations and other reinforcers. So I appreciate you, you sharing that. So then from your, your own journey, because I think this is important. It's like, what, how did you discover your own healing journey? I think you kind of left right there, but yeah. that led you um, to, to break and free to those. Uh, or what did you learn? Let me change that around. What did you learn in your own journey that led you to your own um, toxic relationships? What had led me into a toxic relationship? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of people ask, ask that question, right? They're yeah. like, well, how did I get here? Right. So we're yeah, talking yeah. about these concepts. So, you know, if you can share with your own personal journey, so somebody can relate right. to it. So as I was speaking, sort of looking back, initially being like, okay, my upbringing wasn't all that bad. What's wrong with me and living in that place? When I really started to dive into that relationship and dive into what I was shown through child and how I was loved, well, there was a lot of just neglect. There was a lot of that um, emotional neglect. There was just me feeling very unwanted right? That's, that's sort of my core wound that I've identified over the time is just feeling unwanted, being unwanted. And um, so for me then, okay, if my baseline is here, that didn't include physical abuse, but okay, it didn't include a whole lot of love. I didn't get my needs met. I wasn't seen. I wasn't heard. I wasn't validated. Well, then is it that far for me to go down to accept actually being abused by somebody? No, 
it's really not that far off because again, the, we form this image that we have of ourselves at a very young age, unless, you know, we start really digging in and doing the work to change that image. We actually can't act out of the image that we have for ourselves, right? We form these beliefs. We form our identity, all subconscious, literally meaning beneath our conscious awareness. So it's not like I'm walking around, like I feel unwanted today, right? (laughs) So that's a subconscious thing that's going on. So if I feel unwanted and, and that's what I'm believing in my subconscious mind, well, it makes sense that I'm going to be with somebody who revalidates that belief that I have. And so that's why I think subconscious change work is so important because if, if in my head I'm unlovable or I'm unwanted, I'm going to continue to seek out situations where my subconscious, because it always wants to be right, it wants to be on board. We want to be congruent. So it's going to reach out for those situations where it's like, yes, you are unwanted. Yes, you are unlovable. And to your subconscious, that's a good thing. It's like, hey, I'm doing what you want. <laughs> and logically, that sounds crazy, but that's actually the internal processes that are going on. And so that's why for me, a big part of my healing has been subconscious mind work because I needed to figure out, you know, um, saying the affirmations, like I'm worthy, I'm deserving I'm enough. That's not enough, right? Like I can look in the mirror and tell myself that a hundred times a day, you know, throw a uh, salt over my shoulder, put a crystal in my bra. And <laughs> I'm still not going to believe it if my subconscious is not on board with that idea. And I think, you know, for people that don't, that don't get in there and they spend so long just talking about things and, and in a place where they're like, I can't move forward, oftentimes it's like, we got to get into that subconscious and really start chipping away with what's actually in there. Well, Kelly, you're speaking some truth because I think a lot of people need, need to hear that truth that, because what you're describing is doing the work because what you described is trauma repetition. So when we have that unfinished business in our childhood, you still are going to have, you're going to, to your point, you're going to seek it out from a very unconscious standpoint. You know, there's a therapy called imago, ther- imago therapy. So it's yes. in the image of that you are going to seek the worst characteristics. And I know this is, sounds harsh, but you're going to seek the worst characteristics of one of your caregivers or one of your wounds. Yes. So that's where we'll see those self-sabotaging behaviors. And then you become hypervigilant and understanding your attachment style, right? If you're an anxious ambivalent, you're going to attract that avoider who's going to make you feel unwanted. And then you're going to peck, peck, peck. And eventually, when they leave or they leave for someone else. I'm like, see, I knew it, right? (laughs) Yeah. So so one of the things that I'll see in particular when women don't have, um, when they don't embrace their healing journey, and I see this now more than ever actually on social media, and I would like to hear your opinion as well. When they don't, this is women who are unhealed and don't seek um, healing, is I'll see either they're going to be revengeful And that anger now turns to obsessive, you know, behaviors. This is the stuff movies is made of, right? But then I also see the other part of it that is not as obvious. And this is, I'm going to be so successful and I'm going to post, you know, all these great things or I'm going to post myself with the next man, but they're still not healed. No matter how much they feel like they're trying to show that they're killing it or they're doing all this other stuff. We can curate our lives on social media. So I'll see these types of things. I'm wondering what you see, um, especially when we look at all of the the things. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm very aware. And I think, you know, being in this space, we get, there's people that remain in that victim mentality in the mentality of like pointing at this other person of like every single thing is that person's fault and they're terrible. And, and they go down that path. I see that a lot. And, and on the opposite side of the, like, 
I'm going to just move on. I'm going to be good. Like, let's go. And I hate to tell you, but that doesn't work. Neither of those work. One keeps you stuck in the victim cycle and not taking responsibility for yourself and for your life. And that's just never a good place to be. And then the other side of that really stops you from processing anything. And I tried to do that. So I know it doesn't work. (laughs) When I left my relationship, I was so happy. I literally was elated. I felt like I had just broken free out of prison. I was like, I'm going to do everything and I'm going to be, I was that woman. Okay. So I get it. I get it if you're doing that. Um, But that's really just a trauma response because you actually don't know how to regulate your nervous system. And and we we could talk a little bit about that because I think it's important, but that's also what leads to just keeping trauma stored in your body. And that leads to a whole lot of other issues. So for me, that led to uh, autoimmune disorders. And I think that this is really important because there's a huge link to trauma and autoimmune disorders. There's a huge link to trauma and other, you know, chronic diseases or what the medical community would say, oh, there's no cause for this. Well, actually there is a cause and it's emotional and it's spiritual. And we have to deal with those things to be able to actually heal, right? Like I can't, I, 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 maybe you've seen this where women come in and they have like all of these chronic issues. They have IBS, they have, you you know, all, all of these pain fibromyalgia. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, it just came on. What do you mean? Right, it just came right. on, right? Like and, how do you deal with trauma? Absolutely. And, you know, we're going to take a, um, a, a quick um, commercial break. And when we come back, I want to start right there. I want to talk about emotional regulation because you just drop some gems on people and we need to explain it. And the third person, the third part that we'll also talk about it is uh, when people want to get over, they try to get under somebody else. So mm. we'll be right back on Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment, essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. That's LifeCounselingSolutions.com. Are you living day by day, nervous, in fear, or constantly feeling overwhelmed? This is probably due to an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders can develop from many different factors and can affect each and every person differently. Anxiety disorders can develop because of genetics, personality, stressful life events, and many other reasons. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America reports that more than 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety-related illnesses and anxiety is also considered the most common mental disorder in the United States. You don't have to suffer alone. Call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit lifecounselingsolutions.com today. Has your anger ever taken you somewhere you regretted? Have you ever said something in anger that you wish you could take back? 
Have you ever hurt anyone as a reaction of your anger, physically or emotionally? Let's face it, anger is a part of life. We all experience anger in our lives at some point. The question we need to ask ourselves is whether this has become a habit. What matters is how we deal with it. So call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit OrlandoAngerManagement.com today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. We are here with Coach Kelly, and she is helping us understand what we need to do to heal from toxic relationships. So welcome back to the show, Kelly. Thank you. You know, so right before we went to the break, you were um, dropping some things that are probably new terms for a lot of people. So talk to us a little bit about, like when we were talking about, like some people that are unhealed will either have the trauma response of productivity, of busyness, of filling themselves with this um, false self is what John Bradshaw would call it, this false self. And especially with today's social media, we can curate pretty much anything we want to, which is yeah. why I always tell people, vet people and check receipts. <laughs> whole, other com- whole other conversation. <laughs> yes. But, you know, a part of also that is that people sometimes will jump from one relationship to another. And you talked about um, emotional regulation. So talk to us a little bit about what that means if people are hearing that for the first time, but they think they know what it means, but not 100% sure. Yeah. So I think that there's emotional regulation and within emotional regulation is our nervous system, right? And so when we're in that response of I'm doing, I'm going, I'm going to do this, I'm going to like, everything's good and I'm just going to move on. We're usually in actually a, a fight or flight state right? We're actually, we have three states to our nervous system that in a normal or regulated, we're going to bounce between all the time. We'll go from a con- like a connected, feeling safe, feeling like life is good to a fight or flight, and then to a disconnected state. A normal person oscillates through these all of the time. And there's many different names for them. Um, if you've you know, into the polyvagal theory at all. This is really where that comes from, where we have the different branches of the polyvagal, of the vagal nerve. Mm -hmm. And so when we're in that space, we're in a heightened state. And this heightened state, we're also going to have, you know, high cortisol, different stress hormones going on. And if we don't know how to get back to that connected state, regulate ourselves, that's where we have issues. That's where we have problems. So we, when we get dysregulated, it's really easy for us to not really spend very little time in that connected state and spend most of our time in that hyper, like that fight or flight state, go, go, go mode. Or when we're not in that go, go, go mode, our only other mode is like in bed all day. I can't focus, can't think like all of those kind of things. And that's really being in an immobilized state in our nervous system. And now that happens over time in these toxic relationships because we're not safe, right? And how our nervous systems work is anytime that we perceive a threat, whether that is a real or imagined threat, our nervous system is going to arouse. And if we don't know how to get back to a connected state from that arousal, 
then our nervous system is going to arouse. It's going to arouse. It's going to arouse. And then it's like, I can't take any more. So now I'm just going to freeze. I'm going to go into mobilization. I'm going to go into disconnection. So when we're stuck in that place, that's where a lot of the issues are that I think so many people don't know how to deal with, right? That's where we get like the obsessive thoughts and we get like super obsessive or oh my gosh, when I was stuck in that nervous system on state, I was starting like four businesses, right? I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do, I'm going to do all of the things. And, you know, if it wasn't for me really having to stop because my hair started falling out, I rapidly started gaining weight. I um, felt like my body was just turning against me. Okay. And this is important because this happens and a lot of times we'll just go, oh, well, you know, I need to take some medication and, you know, this is just something that happens. You know, I went to the doctor and, um, you know, we didn't discuss that, but my background is a nurse. I, I was a psychiatric nurse actually. So <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I left, I left that profession because I really did not get on board with the, like, here's a pill model, right? I'm like, there's something deeper here. And actually working, I worked on an adolescent unit and really working through that and seeing, you know, kids that were given pills, like it was heartbreaking to me. And I'm like, no, these kids need love and hugs. And so that really changed things for me. So when I was having all these issues, getting my blood work done, doing all of these things, they come back. Oh, you have a very low thyroid. You have PCOS. Uh, you have all these issues and here's six medications to be on for the rest of your life. And I just sat there and I, I was, no, I said, don't give me that. I'm, I'm not going to take it. And the doctor is just, what are you talking about? And I just, in that moment, that's really what set off my healing journey was because I was so sick and I felt so bad. And internally, I knew there was a connection here. I was perfectly healthy. I've always been healthy. Like you don't just go from being a perfectly healthy person to all of a sudden having all of these issues and there not be something deeper going on. And that's really what led me down to look at emotional trauma, to look at these things going on and realizing that a lot of that disease state that I was in, dis-ease, was my nervous system not being able to regulate, not being able to come back to a calm and connected place, not feeling safe in the world. Like, let's imagine the stress that if you, you know, consciously you might think, oh, I'm safe here, it's fine. But if your nervous system is constantly on alert and you could just feel that tension that that brings, like if I'm on alert and that's what's happening inside that we don't realize. And so that's why really learning um, different techniques on what makes you feel good, what makes you feel connected, what makes you feel like you matter in the world is really important. Doing things like breath work, doing things that expand that state, doing things like grounding. Yoga can be great for getting back into a connected place. And, and so I think that that's an invaluable part of the healing process that, you know, like you and I were talking about earlier, that you're not just going to get from talking about it, that you're not going to get just from being aware that this is what's going on. You really have to do the body work and realize that's, that's what's going on to be able to heal because healing is not just mind, it's mind, body, soul, all of it. Absolutely. Vester Cotterbolt's um, work, Body Keeps the Score, is such a yes. valuable resource. So when you talk about healing, so, you know, we're knocking on the door, we're knocking on Kelly's door, and we're, we're she's inviting us into her house. So what does self-love look like for you today, right? You've had toxic relationships in the past, and you're, 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 you've been on a healing journey. Now you're helping other women. So what does self-love look like when people hear that self-love? What does it look like for Kelly? 
Yeah. Self-love is showing up for myself every day in a multitude of ways, right? I think a lot of times people think of self-love as self-care, like, oh, I'm going to go get my nails done or I'm going to get my hair done. And that's certainly one form of loving yourself. But for me, it's putting my needs first and all the time. You know, I really had to learn boundaries. I think that's incredibly important, but how to honor my boundaries. To me, that self-love is my yes is a yes and my no is a no and honoring that every day because that's honoring myself first. And when I honor myself first, then that enables me to live a really, really good life. And that can be complicated in a world where we feel pulled in a lot of different directions or we feel like you know, I have to do this or I have to do that. But really for me, it's honoring that. It's honoring my yes. It's honoring my no. And it's showing up in that when it's not comfortable. It's doing the work that isn't comfortable. Self-love to me is doing a breathwork session when I'm like, oh, I'm tired and I don't want to do this, but hey, I need to care for my nervous system today, right? So it's all different ways, but above all else, it's honoring the yes and honoring the no. And I would imagine that in order to get to that place, you know, you mentioned it earlier, is that when you're doing the work that you get to a place where you had said that we're enough no matter what time of the day. So when you really believe that, not that it's um, so easy all of a sudden to say no, but you know that you deserve and you know where you end and someone else begins. And it's not to say that you probably won't feel guilty, which can be some of the remnants from the old, but you know that you're worthy, that you know that you're enough. And you change what you allow and accept and accommodate in your life. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's so important because it is a process to get there. And I always say like healing is remembering. This is our natural state. Our natural state is enough, worthy, deserving, right? A baby gets born into the world and there is not one ounce of you that's like, oh, that baby doesn't deserve love. Like, nope, but right? Like it's a natural instinct for us we know, oh, that baby deserves love. That baby deserves food. Like give, you know, make sure that they're good. Make sure they're taken care for. It's our natural state. Healing is remembering that's our natural state and remembering that we get to give that to ourselves first. And so what I've really developed is what I call like the next evolution of self-love is really self-worshipped. And that is like the concept of the worshipped woman. And the worshipped woman is she who worships herself. So not only do I love myself, but I actually think of myself as a goddess. I think of myself like to worship means to, you know, have the reverence of a deity, right? And so can I see myself in those eyes? Can I honor myself so deeply that I worship myself? Because when I worship myself, it means I'm putting my knees first. It means I'm seeing myself as somebody worth that, right? And when I show up in that energy, that's what really transforms the whole world. Because when I hold that energy for myself as being the worshiped woman, and I I frequently say, I'm still on this journey, right? We're all still on on our own journeys. And everybody's version of the worshiped woman is different. And what that means to you is different. But when I show up in that energy of, yeah, this this is how worthy I am, then the world has no choice but to reflect that. Because if people don't get that, then they're just not in my life, right? Energy is important. And the energy and the standard I'd hold for myself is the most important. Absolutely. 
And I think a lot of people use uh, different terms, but what, I, what comes to mind is like when we think about, I see it all the time, especially on social media, people do hashtag, you know, queen this, queen that. But a queen has done a lot of work to be able to stake that uh, to stake that yeah. throne when you really study kingdoms, right? So she she knows how to move, but also she knows her worth in uh, having wearing that crown. And because she's also put in, put in the work. Um, and I think that's that's so important. So when you think about some of the people that you're coaching and that you're working with, and even from your own journey, you know, many people will say that they don't trust themselves after being in toxic relationships. I hear it yeah. all the time. And I'm sure you hear it all the time. I'm like, I don't yeah. trust myself. I'm going back and dating. I'm yes, going back yes, and doing it. How yes. am I going to know how to trust myself? I mean, so what does it look like? So I know you've been on a journey. It's how we've met, you know, through your personal relationship. You know, what does it look like to trust yourself? And how can someone get to that place when they want to yeah. get back out there and they want to date? They want to find, find that person who is going to be healthy. Yeah. So I think this is so important. So what a great question, because it's you in these relationships, you do, you completely lose trust for yourself. It's just something that happens. And it's funny because in my group program, the women were just talking about this. So definitely a lot of synergy here and it's rebuilt over time and it's rebuilt one step at a time right? Like we, you're not going to go from this place where you're like, wow, I completely lost myself in this to be able to trust yourself moving forward in a day. It takes that work and it takes the consistency of yourself. So the place I like to start people with self-trust is, well, do you actually do what you say you're going to do for yourself? Right? If you are working on yourself and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to start meditating. I'm going to do this. Okay. Well, agree to meditate five minutes a day. Can you honor that agreement? Because that builds self-trust. Can you do one little thing a day that you said that you were going to do? Not for somebody else, not because you have a deadline, not because you got to get this done or this person's counting on you, but because you are counting on yourself. And so when you can start following through with just little baby things with yourself, then we can get to the level where we can figure out, okay, well, what's my yes and what is my no? Well, can I honor my yes and my no? Let me practice doing that. Can I practice it with little things that don't feel scary? And then after I've, I've sort of mastered that stage, well, then I can start doing that with bigger things. And I also think beyond that, trust comes over time when you realize that you've done the healing work, right? You, you've done the belief work, you've shifted, you feel yourself differently. And I always say this, like when you get to the point that you can look back at that person in that relationship and go, I don't know her anymore. You know, like I see her, I know that it was me, but I feel like I I don't know her anymore. Well, then it's like a different level of freedom because you really, you're not going to get into another toxic relationship like that because your self-worth is at a different level. Not only will you're not really going to attract people like that, but the second that somebody starts coming into you with that energy, it's an instant repulsion. High self-worth is like the antidote to toxic relationships. It's an instant repulsion. People that are narcissists, they have incredibly low self-worth, which is, you know, the irony of a narcissist, right? But they're incredibly, incredibly insecure. And so when you, if you have very high self-worth and you know that you're embodying that and that's who you are and you walk with that queen energy and not like a fake, like, oh, I'm a queen and everyone's a queen and throwing that word around, but you embody it. And that's the energy you give off. These people want nothing to do with you because they know that they cannot manipulate you. I love that. And I always say that when um, 
you know, self-worth shows up in the room, the low self-esteem will scatter. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. You trigger those people, right? They're like, they're not comfortable around you. And that's good. That's good. Let them go. Right. Right. You don't want to talk <laughs> to people around you where they should be coming around you for their, for their healing. Oh. <laughs> So when you talk about the little things versus the big things, like, so people are hearing that, what would be some examples of little things where they can start building that trust within themselves and stuff that they can do on a daily basis? I'm like, okay, I can look back. I did this this past week. What would you describe as some little things? Yeah. Um, Waking up at a certain time, you know, like if you've been in a cycle where you're just kind of sleeping in and hitting snooze or something like that, making a little promise to yourself, tomorrow, I'm not going to hit snooze. I'm going to get up when my alarm goes off. And follow through with that, no matter what, because you're not going to want to, right? Um, maybe it's it's journaling, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's going to the gym. It's it's just little an action towards yourself. That's uh, it's what it is doing is it's building self trust, but it's also saying I matter. So you need to follow through with things that that reinforce I matter and my needs matter and what I want for myself matters. So it could really be anything that you want to work on, anything that you've been putting off for yourself. But you just and it doesn't matter if it's literally like five minutes or, you know, because people don't want to have the the time. Oh, I can't go to the gym. I have this. Great. Go outside for a walk for five minutes, but whatever it is, and you don't want to start too big. And I think that that's where people can set themselves up for failure. It's like, you know, I've had clients before where they're like, I'm going to get up tomorrow at 5 a.m. I'm going to journal. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to go work out. I'm like, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) So stop lying to yourself. (laughs) Right. Like you're setting yourself up for failure. Right. So then that you can therefore reinforce that belief that, that you don't matter. Right. So we have to sort of break that cycle. And I just think the best way is just whatever is calling you, do that and commit to a minimum something that feels easy and attainable. And once you've gotten to the point where that's easy and attainable and you're doing it, then you can build on that. Absolutely. So all great examples. You know, some things I that I add to, to some of the women I work with is it can be a face mask, you know, yes. every night it could be a face mask, it could be a bath, right? So whatever you're going to say you're going to do, you're going to do it. And it can be something as small as just a face mask, 15 minutes to your point or drinking water each day before you get to the, to the big list is now I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do the miracle morning and have yeah. to your point, have all the things, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, another part that I would like for you to share because I think it's also important so people can understand. Obviously, they have to do the work, but they can understand it. I mean, what would be some things that if someone is listening to us right now and they can relate to some of the things that that we're saying, what would be things that they can do to start their healing uh, journey or what I like to, what I've seen that you refer to as their transformational journey? I mean, what can yeah. they do right now? Like as soon as they stop listening to us, what can be some things they can do immediately? Yeah, I would say number one is like, what makes you feel connected to people and like you matter? And I think that, that that matters so much more than I ever thought that it did. And I think that's become even more prominent over the, the past year and just everything that's been going on in the world. But what actually makes you feel connected that the world is a safe place to be in? Is that going out in nature? Is it calling a girlfriend? Is it going for a walk with a friend and, and you know having a long embrace? What is that? Because the more time that you can spend in a safe and connected state, the better off that you're going to be. And I think that that's something that literally any person can do. What makes you feel like you are okay and the world is a good place to be in? And can you focus on spending more and more time there? 
You mentioned something, and I and I think it's an important because you and I are aligned, and you know I think it's such a great thing when you can also demonstrate collaboration over competition. You know, with the worship woman and the woman redeem. You know, common denominator is community. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about why community and healing is is so important, especially for I say even more important for women. Yeah. Well, I think it's important because women you know, we have a lot of mixed message in societies around women where we have a a big sisterhood wound, right? And so when we can come into a space with other women and feel safe to express ourselves, oh, it's so healing. I'm literally getting goosebumps talking about that because just what I get to witness. And so how I close out all of my programs at the end in the closing call is I have every woman often offer her reflections to the other women in the group. So a woman is like, you know, the, the woman in focus and everyone offers how her journey has helped them throughout the course and throughout the program and being able to one hear that because I'm only one person, right? I have my knowledge and I have my experiences, but when you have all of the other people and their experiences, and there's always somebody there that can just make you feel seen and heard it's magic. And when you're all working towards that same goal and you can motivate each other and you realize like, wow, I'm not alone in this, right? Like humans, we need that. We need to know we're not alone. We need to know that it's okay to go through what we went through. So I think group in in that sense, especially for women where we feel like sometimes, you know, we're we're given that message of like women are catty or they're going to do this or they're going to do that. When we have that just super space safe space of like, I can show up, I can be me, I can be messy and I'm still accepted and loved. I don't think that there's anything better. That alone is healing. Absolutely. And I think um, a couple of things I'll add to that is is sometimes we're not even aware that we have a mother wound, you know, and Kelly McDaniels in her, her book, Ready to Heal. And she's coming out with a book called Mother Hunger in June, but it's talking about, you know, with Azasa's women, when we get into addictive or toxic patterns with sex and love is sometimes we're looking for that nurture and that love that we didn't necessarily get from our parents or in particular our mom. And we're looking for it in the bed with men. Yeah. You know? So to your point, I mean, we hear that women are all about drama, all about catty, but you are a woman, right? So you're right. also rejecting parts of yourself. So when you're getting into that community and you're with women who are on that healing journey and you're both focused, it's like that lioness, they travel in packs, right? So yeah. powerful in that um, because the other side of that is when people say that women are toxic or they've gotten into toxic patterns with women, it's because they didn't necessarily know how to vet them. Could yeah. you talk a little bit about building trust in community? Yeah. Well, I think it's important that you, you know, that the space that you're in, right. And so for, for people like us who are building these communities, our energy is the most important because we set the standard for the container. We, we set what is going to happen and and how the women are going to show up. So I think if you are somebody who is looking for that community is like, you really want to see who's the head of that community and do you resonate with them? And do you resonate with their energy? Because if that's the case, then you're going to be in that group with a whole lot of other women who feel the same. Right. And you also have to have trust in the person who's running that group that if somebody were to act out of line, that they're taken care of. So that person has to have not only that strong feminine energy of, you know, you're safe here and you're safe to express yourself, but really a strong masculine energy too, that I'm going to hold this and don't worry, I've got you. And so I think that you need to have that feeling before you really start expressing yourself. 
And for me, I know it's like, I have to have that safety feeling first before I can start expressing myself to other people. So when you start to feel that, that's the most important. It's pretty much what you're saying is, you know, when you're broken in relationship, you can also heal in relationship. I and think especially it's imperative. That- that especially that that mother wound because you know if you most women when they are going through programs or they're trying to have healing it's a part of because they to your to your mission is they want to finally get the love that they feel like they deserve but we yeah. can't get that until we're walking out of the walking through the valley to get to the mountaintop I always say when we get to the mountaintop that's when we celebrate it's not in the valley that's part of we got to go through the valley to get to the mountaintop in order to to celebrate once we're we're up there so yeah. so um you know we certainly appreciate you today sharing your experience your expertise and opening the doors to your own journey. So how, how can people stay in contact with you, Kelly? Yes. Um, thank you so much for having me, Janie. It was an absolute pleasure. You can uh, listen to the podcast, The Worshipped Woman. You can come hang out with me on Instagram. I'm at Miss MS Kelly Kristen. Um, you can find me on YouTube at Kelly Kristen, all the places. Well, we certainly appreciate you. And I look forward to building um, our friendship. Yes. So in closing, a quote from one of my favorite people, Oprah Winfrey. One of the hardest things in life is to learn which bridges to cross and which bridges to burn. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week. 